Welcome to Communication on Point podcast. I'm your host, Dean Hefta. This program is dedicated to helping individuals improve their communication skills, which grows the influence that we have and the success that we can create in our life, because everything we do is tied to communication. Today, I want to talk about something that all of us experience at some point, and that's being pissed off. That's right. You know, we've had those situations where we're frustrated, we're angry, we don't know what to do with that energy. And so today we're going to talk about some ways to think about it and some things to do about it. Let's get started. Like I mentioned, this episode is about dealing with anger and frustration and all of the things that come with those situations when we feel really pissed. On the surface, we can feel like, you know, being angry isn't okay. It's not an emotion that we should have, and we sometimes can feel embarrassed when we express it or we let it out in ways that seem to be harmful to relationships. But actually, anger is a healthy emotion. It's one of the handful of pure emotions that we have as humans, and it's important to be able to understand it to harness it, to recognize what contributes to it, not feel embarrassed about it. And the reality is that typically the frustration that we've had with ourselves after we've been angry hasn't been the anger, but actually how we've handled that level of emotion. It's the things that we've said, it's the things that we've done that we really want to deal with, that we really want to correct. And recognizing that being angry is okay, it means that there's something that needs to be changed, something that needs to be done. Maybe that is in us or in our lives, or maybe it's in the world around us and it motivates us to take action and make a difference, right? So there's this healthy and positive anger. And you could say that it comes from the difference, kind of the conflict between two different situations. Whenever we have two things rubbing up against each other, two uh, opinions, two ideas, two situations, they can create anger. They can create energy that contributes to that anger. And today I want to talk about some of the things that contribute to it and some of the things that we need to be aware of so that we can deal with it in a healthier way rather than maybe unhealthy ways that can lead to damage for relationships. You think about the risk of dealing with anger in a unhealthy way. There's Uh, siblings that haven't spoken to each other for 20 years. You have parents who have broken relationships with their children. You have employees and employers that have falling outs and lead to uh, turnover and firings and people quitting. Neighbors who are continually in a feud with each other. All of these are some of the symptoms and fallout that happens when we aren't able to deal with our anger in healthy, productive ways. So anger in itself is just an emotion. It's a a neutral thing. It's neither good nor bad. It can actually be very positive if it's used for positive change and say, hey, our relationship can't continue like this. We need to move towards resolving it and getting on a better plane of communication and understanding. Or it can be used in an unhealthy way and contribute to drama and miscommunication and gossip and 
all of those things that come out that end up destroying relationships in the long term. You can think about relationships as never really being static. Yeah, we've got people that we just kind of coast along with. You know, maybe our neighbor and and us, we, we just kind of wave and it's, it's, it is kind of a static relationship. But you can think about relationships as either growing stronger or growing weaker. They have a hard time maintaining the status quo. And so a part of that is, can we use, you know, maybe frustration to improve that relationship, as odd as that might sound? Or are we just going to let that disappointment and frustration deteriorate that relationship? So relationships require energy. They require attention and tending to. Much like having a garden, you have to make sure you're weeding it and feeding it and taking care of it if you really want to have a good, productive relationship. So when we think about the anger that comes up, you know, those times where we say, I'm just so pissed off at that person or I'm feeling so angry right now. Often we can trace that back to missed expectations. At the time that we're feeling angry, it isn't really that we're thinking in terms of expectations, but often that's really what it's tied to. We have this moment where we aren't getting what we expected. Maybe the other person isn't doing what we thought they were going to do. Maybe I'm not feeling the way I thought I was going to feel. And so that's a moment in time of emotion when we're confronted with something that's being said, being done, we're experiencing. And emotionally, we're like, I don't like it. I'm not happy with this. But when we step back and look at, okay, where did that begin at? It's the first thing I want to talk about, and that is the expectations that we had. And so rather than trying to intervene at that moment of anger, a healthier approach long-term is to say, okay, well, what can I do to improve the expectations that I have in this relationship so I have less likelihood of disappointment, which is that precursor to anger? Okay, so let's say that there's maybe two neighbors next to each other, and uh, maybe they live in town, and there's one of them just moves in. Often what happens is, uh, let's say there's a piece of, of land between them, and historically, the neighbor that's been there has always uh, seen the other neighbor next to them take care of that piece of land. New neighbor moves in, isn't informed of that. This discussion doesn't come up, and so that piece of land isn't maintained. Weeks go by, And eventually, the neighbor that's been there a long time sees this land being neglected and begins attributing motive uh, and, and labels and all kinds of things to this new neighbor. And they get frustrated and angry and, and, and annoyed. And pretty soon, it's affecting the relationship that they have together. But when you look at that, it's really tied to there was no expectations that had really been established between the two of them. Who's going to take care of this? How does this work between us before time passes? And so for the neighbor that's been living there, the real reflection should be, you know what? I didn't have this conversation when they moved in. They don't know how this has been. We didn't have the discussion. So what am I angry about? There's nothing to be angry about. It's simply let's have a conversation and let's discuss How do we want to approach this piece of land? When we have that situation, we can have the realization maybe that, okay, 
we didn't have this conversation. I just want to chat about this. It's my mistake that I didn't bring it up sooner. Let's talk about how do we want to approach it. So you, you approach it now with a problem-solving approach, looking at that situation, that piece of land, as a problem that can be solved because you and the neighbor are on the same side. We have the same objective. We want things to look good. We want things to be taken care of. So let's just discuss how might we approach that and working through on the same side of the table ways that we could go about discussing that. But so often when our expectations haven't been met, we don't realize that we never established them in the first place. So the better we can do at establishing the relationship at the beginning, establishing the expectations that we have with each other at the beginning, the more likely it's going to be that those expectations can be met. At the same time, maybe I have expectations that can't be met. It's better to talk about that at the very beginning than when I'm frustrated at the end. So if we want to avoid the frustration, the anger, the annoyances that we feel, one of the first things we can do, one of the most effective things we can do is take more responsibility for establishing the expectations early on before time passes. That's something that that I can do myself. So that's one of the tools to think about when we recognize we've got some situations of anger going on. Here's another thing. So often when we have felt annoyed, frustrated, maybe disrespected, the easy thing for us to do is begin avoiding that person that we're annoyed at, that we're frustrated with. We don't talk to them or we talk to them on such superficial levels that we never really get into a conversation and our relationship begins to decay. Because in us, we have this harboring resentment, this annoyance towards that other person's behavior. Unfortunately, they're oblivious to it. They are not aware that we are offended by something they said or did. And so then, because we don't bring it up to them, because we don't talk about what we're experiencing, what, what we're frustrated about, we have this in us and we feel this, this need to release it somehow. And so what do we do? We talk to other people about it. We talk to anybody but the person who can deal with it. We feel better because we get it off our chest. It can help us feel more righteous because, well, if I tell the story the right way, other people are going to agree that my position is the right one. And I'm going to feel better. And they're going to agree with me. They're going to tell me how, how right I am to feel angry, to feel wronged right now. And in that moment, I probably feel better. I get it off my chest. But the risk of that is, that story that I told to others to make me feel better doesn't stop with the person I told. They share it with somebody else. And it begins getting twisted even more. Remember the telephone game and how different that message goes as it gets through the chain. Here's the challenge. That person who is a part of this frustration, this conflict, still doesn't know what's going on. All of that energy is going somewhere else through the chain in an attempt, maybe subconsciously, to make that other person look bad and for me to look justified. It's terribly unhealthy. And so to address that, one of the phrases we can keep in mind, and this is a personal challenge, this is something that each of us have to take on and decide if, if we can 
carry this challenge. And it's three words. I call it to, not about. It's simply, if I have an issue with somebody, something they've said, something they've done, whatever it is, if I really want to address it responsibly, if I really want to get on the same plane with that person, I have to keep in mind that if I have an issue, I have to speak to them about the issue and not about them. That's a real challenge because it's so easy to talk about the other person who isn't in the room. Maybe it's somebody I work with and I'm annoyed with how they've been behaving on this project and I'm letting somebody else know about how annoyed I am. Wow, it feels good and it helps me look good, right? But long-term, the damage is so severe and it affects my ability to have influence and leadership and credibility in the organization. Short-term, it might make me look better. Long-term, people will begin losing trust because they start thinking, well, if you're willing to talk about that person when they're not around, what are you saying about me when I'm not around? So the challenge is speaking to and not about. We're going to talk about some of the ways we can talk to a person. But a part of this, we'll call it my third element as a part of this, is the awareness that the emotions that I'm feeling, that I'm experiencing, my anger, my joy, my sadness, all of those things are my own. They're my responsibility. And this can be hard for people sometimes to acknowledge or recognize because they say, well, you know, what that person said really pissed me off. They angered me. The challenge with that position, with, with describing things like that, is that in that moment, we are handing off our emotional responsibility. What we're saying is, I'm not in charge of how I feel. I'm simply at the mercy of the people around me. And my hope is, they have the ability to read my mind, to do what I need them to do without me asking them to do it. Now, that's a real challenge. The odds of the people that I encounter on a daily basis, whether it's my boss, whether it's my coworkers, whether it's my spouse, whether it's my siblings, whether it's my parents, whether it's my neighbor, the odds of them doing things the way that are satisfactory to me on a continual basis so that I can be in a good emotional state is zero. It's not going to happen. So when we take that position that it is the other person that has angered me, I'm giving up the responsibility that I have over my own emotions. And that contributes to the drama that we experience, to the finger pointing, to the destruction of relationships, because what we're saying is, I'm angry because of you, not because of me, not because I didn't set expectations, not because I didn't communicate, not because I am I'm covering up some other emotion or issue that I'm dealing with. We're saying, no, my anger is your fault. And that's terribly destructive long-term to our influence, to our relationships, to what we really want. So recognizing that how I'm feeling is my choice and it's up to me. That's a big responsibility. It's a huge responsibility to, to recognize that I've got a big part, in fact, the biggest part in my emotional state today. The freedom of that, though, is recognizing that I have the ability to choose my response, the ability to choose my emotional state, and that I'm not dependent on other people doing the right thing, saying the right thing, 
behaving the right way. That doesn't mean that I give people a pass for not, you know, fulfilling obligations. That's totally different. It's saying that when they don't fulfill obligations, I have a right to choose my response to that. And I can do it in unhealthy ways. I can do it in healthy ways. There's many ways I can approach that, but it is ultimately my choice. And as a part of that, the fourth piece of that is being able to name the emotion that I have. So, you know, if I'm going to talk to this person rather than about them, it's being able to say, you know, yesterday when you said what you said to Jim, it came back to me. And I have to tell you, I was really hurt by that. And I don't want to harbor that. I think it's important for us to talk about this. See, I named the emotion. I, I, I felt hurt. I felt disrespected. In fact, I was quite angry about the situation when Jim shared that comment with me. And I was confused. So is there something that kept you from just coming to me and sharing what, what you needed from me? Right? So we're able to get into a, an actual conversation. And in that, I'm talking about the emotion I'm feeling. And at no point am I insisting that they change. That's that fifth part of this is because I'm in charge of my emotions, I'm not in charge of others' behaviors. All I can focus on is explaining what my needs are, what I would really appreciate from you in the, pre- in the future, what would be so helpful for me in our relationship. What I'm asking from you is that if there's something that I've done wrong, incorrectly, that you need me to change, I'm asking you to come and talk with me about that. Can I count on you to do that? I mean, that's what I need. It would be so helpful for me. See, I'm focusing on what my needs are. I'm not sitting there pointing fingers saying, you better change how you're behaving or else, right? We love to do that. Like, you better change or there's going to be consequences because you're the one who's in charge of my emotions. That's so unhealthy. All I can say is, here's what I am asking for in our relationship. This is what my needs are. Being able to express what I'm dealing with without blaming others or insisting that they better change or there's going to be consequences. The more I can focus on me, the more open our conversation becomes, the more inviting they become in sharing their frustration. See, Sometimes what can happen is maybe there's a history of the other person blowing up at them. And it's like, well, I'm not going to talk to them about it. But again, I come back to, to, not about. So I have a choice. I either say, you know what? They made a snide comment. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not even, I'm, I'm certainly not going to talk to others about my frustration with that person because I need to rise above this. I need to model the way for others to behave. Or maybe I have the ability to say, you know, I need to talk with them about this. I I need to express my anger in an unemotional way. That's a real challenge, right? Sometimes people say, I can't tell people that I'm angry at them because then they might not like me. See, here's the key. We can talk about things that we're angry about, things that we don't want anymore. And we can do that in a way that is not accusatory, that is non-blaming, 
that is non-emotional. Often why we are so afraid to express our anger is because we let it fester. We don't address it early. We, we let it simmer and it builds and they keep doing this thing and it grows and it grows to a level where we can't control it and it comes out with so much emotion, everyone's shocked. And now there's all this cleanup that we have to do in our relationship. So being able to express, hey, you know, when I, when I heard that from Jim, if, if Jim was sharing this accurately, uh, that's, I felt hurt. I felt angry about that comment. And I just wanted to talk about it with you directly so that we can get on the same page. See, it's not accusatory. It's not blameful. And so what do I do when I'm pissed off? Well, first off, I recognize my emotional state. I also take responsibility for it and acknowledge that the emotion that I'm feeling has been my choice, not somebody else's doing. Maybe that's the catalyst, but it's my choice for my response and for my emotional state. I can recognize that maybe I didn't do a good job of setting expectations for others. Maybe I didn't train them well. Maybe I didn't walk them through the steps. Maybe I didn't let them know what kind of outcome that I was wanting. Maybe I didn't let them know what time I expected them to show up in the morning. That's something I have control over. I can make a commitment to myself that I'm going to talk to people and not about them on things that I have frustrations around. I can recognize that I'm responsible for my emotions and I can name them. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. And I can share those with others about a situation we have between us without insisting they change or blaming them for the problem. I'm simply informing them of my state. I can make requests, but through all of this, it is a recognition that I am in charge of my emotions. It's a big burden, but it's also freeing. So I hope that there's some insights, some tools that when you think about yourself, your team, your organization, your family, your company, whatever it is, and the role that miscommunication and anger and those times when we're feeling pretty pissed off, how they can both be positive contributors to the health of our organization if we handle them well, or terribly destructive in our relationships if we don't. If you have ideas, stories, questions that come up around topics like this, I love hearing from you. I'd love for you to reach out to me. My email is dean, D-E-A-N, at clarisresults.com, C-L-A-R-U-S, results.com. I'd love to visit with you. Reach out to me. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you next week. Have a great one.